This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to the top people and ideas. Powered by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. BFM 89.9, this is The Breakfast Grill. I'm Keith Kam. The Lunar New Year is upon us again. This time we bid a roaring farewell to the Year of the Tiger and welcome in the Year of the Rabbit, which we hope will breed heaps of prosperity, luck, abundance and health. It is also that time of year when food that you eat bears a special significance, more so than at other times. You want to have more fish and prawns and lettuce, for example. So for this special CNY Breakfast Grill, we get cooking with Dato Sri Philip Siu, chairman and founder of Oriental Group of Restaurants. Good morning and welcome back, Dato Street, this time in person. So good to have you back in the studios. Good morning, Keith. Always a pleasure. Dato, typically, the days leading up to the Lunar New Year is the busiest for Chinese restaurants. Take me through what you are experiencing in these couple of days before we hit the Year of the Rabbit. Yes, it's uh, the feeling of the good old times again Mm -hmm. after three years. Finally, I hope this year we have a, a complete New Year. Last year's New Year wasn't too complete because halfway through, I remember after the first week of the Chinese New Year, the Omnicrom thing became a bit... Correct. Uh, uh, I could remember back then on the second week, we had like a 20, 30, 40 cancellations every day coming oh. in. So business just kind of dropped off. Are you guys uh, open throughout the Chinese New Year period? There's no break, even uh, reunion dinner night? We we do. We do have a two-day break mm-hmm. for the staff because a lot of our staff, I would say about 60 over percent of our staff are locals. Right. And of the 60 percent, two-thirds of them are from out of town, as in uh, most of them from Ipoh and places like that. So this year, we really feel that they should be given some time off. How is the reservations coming in? Are you fully booked for reunion dinner? Yes. In fact, this year seems to be a good year. In fact, I am hoping it could even be a record-breaking year. Wow, okay. I mean, in the past, I think the best we can manage is maybe two rounds solid for dinner on the eve. But this year, for some of our outlets, we have something like three rounds or maybe for some, three and a half rounds. Additional tables, I mean, you don't have to set up anything on the corridors, right? (laughs) Uh, Well, actually, well... Oh, you do? Yes, we are are still... We do have a lot of tables that we cannot take anymore. As in, uh, now we can probably take a small tables, like those four packs, six packs, you know, uh, maybe two packs even. Oh. I wonder if you could give us some context. What do revenues look like for Oriental Group's 17 restaurants in the Klang Valley every Chinese New Year? How much of your entire turnover comes from these few weeks? Oh, okay. We take uh, Chinese New Year as in one month. One month, Because yeah. sometimes Chinese New Year falls part January, sometimes part February. Mm-hmm. You know, So if you take in the context of one month, the Chinese New Year period accounts for two and a half times to three times an average month. Right. Uh, so that's uh, something very important. Now, what is more important is that your always hits are kind of fixed to a certain extent. Yes. Uh, of course, there's a variable cost. So when your turnover jumps up by three times or two times, your profit goes up disproportionately. Now, that profit is necessary because that profit was what kept us alive during the MCO years. 
This is also usually the time that Chinese restaurants, they're famous for hiking prices up during this time, just like hairdressers, mm. you know. How do you decide on how much to raise? Are you raising prices? Is it because the ingredients are just so expensive this time of year? Or uh, what's the... Yes and no. First of all, I think we are kind of market leaders and uh, we should kind of have a certain behaviour pattern, which which means we should be a bit more responsible. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, we are very aware that market prices shoot up very high at this time of the year. But that is for the men in the street. If you go to the markets to buy uh, right now or over the last few days, uh, yes, the prices have doubled up, tripled up for many cases. Yeah. But in our case, I mean, raw materials to us is something like uh, 50 million to more than 50 million a year. Mm. People like us, we lock up our prices. Okay. So, therefore, we must or we should exercise responsibility in pricing. We should not uh, overcharge. overcharge. What we are actually trying to send a message across also is that it's about the same if you eat out or you eat in. If you do your own cooking, you just don't have to. You clean go up to so the much. market and you buy at current prices. It's going to cost you maybe a pomfret, you know, twice what we paid. Right. Uh, so now, assuming we charge you for one dollar, we charge you two dollars. Actually, you're you're paying the same, right? Because in the markets, the prices have gone up. I mean, we're paying for the skill and for the cleaning up as yeah, well. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> I was just wondering what the challenges are supply chain-wise. I mean, China only reopened. Are ingredients tough to come by? Because, I mean, if, if I listen to my mom, things like uh, the fatoy fungus, it's mm. very difficult to get and, you know, you end up with fake ones. Are, are you facing these kind of issues? Yes, we all are. Everyone in this industry is facing this problem. This is a time when uh, there's an advantage with scale and volume. This is a time when we depend on loyalties built up over the years. I've been in this industry for 40 over years. So this is a time when we actually have to make personal calls sometimes to practically beg for, well, one last batch at this old price or or, or this quality, uh, that sort of thing, you know. So... The good thing about our industry is uh, is still quite uh, relationship uh, dependent. Dependent. So all these factors, I wouldn't say it will happen, but it helps. While we're on the topic of ingredients, what about sharks fins? I mean, with all this awareness about you know the non environmentally friendly way of mm. consuming sharks fins, yep. is, is that very popular in your restaurants? Uh, it was very popular, but uh, we have seen a very sharp drop off in demand, and is kind of socially uh, well, uncomfortable so thing. Uncomfortable to thing. So for that reason, actually, we have also removed shark fin from our our menus, or, or gradually removing shark fin from our menus, and so on. Well, we. Not that we do not sell. For those who specially ask for it, it's not something that uh, we do not sell, I must say. Uh, it's, uh, if you they ask for it, well, the customer's request, 
then uh, we do make exceptions, I believe. The last time that you were on the show was just a little more than a year ago, September mm. 2021. At that time, you told us about how the pandemic and the resulting MCOs really you know, did a number on your business. You had 30 million ringgit in cash before the pandemic hit. At one point, it fell to a low of 20%. Um, thankfully, <laughs> dine-ins are allowed again. And you know, I, I'm yeah. guessing that you have replenished some of your cash. Yes. Could you just you know, take us through you know, the journey that you went through, if it's not too traumatic? Uh, 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 yeah, we went through a very, very tough time then. We had to really scrape the bottom of the barrel. Mm. Uh, of course, we had very strong, very understanding shareholders. So that helped a lot. We also had friendly bankers. That also helped a lot. Uh, Were you beneficiaries of government initiatives? Uh, government initiatives as well, but also personal relationships with uh, certain bankers. Mm-hmm. That also helped. Uh, uh, of course, the government uh, the subsidies on uh, uh, certain staffing uh, levels also helped. Did help a lot. Landlords, mm. uh, we have always maintained a very, very close relationship with our landlords. I must say, most of them, if not all of them, were brilliant. How much of your business has returned to normal? Can we say we are back to normal now? Uh, if I put a quote last year, I would say it's something like, on a group basis, maybe something like 85% of uh, pre-COVID. So you're profitable again? La? Oh yes, we are profitable again. Uh, I mean, last year we were already profitable. Mm-hmm. Last year, for the first time, we paid out dividends again. <laughs> right. Uh, so, happy to say, uh, this year, in fact, just yesterday, all my staff had a bonus. Nice. So they're all over the moon. <laughs> so no problem working this uh, New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah, you see have a lot of happy faces. <laughs> On the breakfast grill this morning is Datuk Sri Philip Siu, chairman of the Chinese restaurant chain The Oriental Group. On the other side of the break, we will dim some more and delve into how the company will navigate the future with increasing competition and rising costs. BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. BFM 89.9 in the studio with me. Just before we welcome the year of the rabbit, this Sunday is Dato Sri Philip Siu, chairman and founder of Oriental Group of Restaurants. Dato, Oriental Group, you guys have had a dependence on corporate and wedding events and it made up a bulk of what you lost out during the MCOs, nearly 50% of your total revenues over a year. How has that segment recovered? Last year... It was only like, I would say, 60% of pre-COVID. Right. Because uh, I think everything was shrunk. Like those dinners right. that used to be like 60 tables, 70 tables, were shrunk to half the size, 30, 40. Those that were like 40, 50 tables were shrunk to 20, 30. Was it a cost of living issue or people were just uh, no. not comfortable? It was that everyone was no longer confident or are more conscious about or more choosy about which dinner to attend. Mm. If I'm not that close to the wedding couple, well, maybe better if I stay away for, you know, I don't want to take a risk. Let's say I may have children, especially those with grandchildren or small children at home. Oh, I better not go to those places with 300 people, 500 people. Once you know that this uh, function is like for 800 people, 
No way. Half of them will turn up. So how is Oriental Group making up for this shortfall? Well, we were quite fortunate. The design of our... A lot of our restaurants are more meant for the smaller functions. Mm. Smaller meaning 30, 40 tables. So... If uh, 10 tables book, okay, we can give him the whole hall since it's mm. going to be empty anyway. So that's fine with us. Now, there was also one part that we kind of compensated. Because the functions were sized down, mm-hmm. the number of tables were sized down, the customers actually started selecting higher priced menus. Because their budget for the wedding dinner could have been like, uh, say, 30000 Oh, just spend more on the good so, stuff. Yeah. So instead of choosing a, a 1,200 menu, he goes up to maybe 1,600, a better mm. menu, because it's going to be his closest family members, his closest friends. His umpals might be bigger also. Right? Oh, yeah. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you, you had plans to expand beyond the Klang Valley as well before the pandemic. I think uh, you mentioned Ipoh, Joho and Penang. Are the plans uh, still in place? Yes, they are, but not immediate because we have another set of new problems post-pandemic. The pandemic. What are these problems? Staff problems. Yeah, I was going to get into ah, that as well. That <laughs> is the critical factor now. <laughs> Did you have to lay off anybody during the pandemic period? No, you didn't. We never laid off anyone. Mm-hmm. We never cut any of their salaries. Mm-hmm. Of course, a lot of staff were very, very good. As in, they knew the company was running through a tough time. They took na- no pay leave. Mm. Many of them took like a half a month, one month or two months, no pay leave. Many of them uh, kind of volunteered. I, I know you have a uh, lot of staff who've been with you for ages, ever oh, since yeah. the restaurant started. So, you know, you cannot buy that kind of loyalty there. Yeah. What are challenges you are facing in terms of getting new staff, training them and all that? Uh are they local we, mostly or, or yes, do you we, get the we higher, do we do have form? actually the problem is not getting them it is retaining them mm-hmm. because we are market leader every time we train someone someone else will come and snatch them mm-hmm. now the, the other thing is our neighbor Singapore oh okay <laughs> once they get to a certain level so the brain drain affects you guys yes <laughs> tremendously in fact ever since the borders opened we have lost something like I would say another 15% of the younger staff now that's the part that hurts us uh. I just want to get your view on the implementation of the minimum wage policy that the government has put in place mm. does that affect you in any way or have you already been no. paying them 1500 ringgit a month anyway yes we have I mean, the most basic for, I would say, entry-level local staff is already at 2005 up. So no way anyone is going to complain about low wages. In fact, after the pandemic, the company's policy shifted to pushing up the wages of local workers because foreigners were not easy to come by. And also we know that foreigners come and go. Mm-hmm. So it's pointless uh, talking about a long lifespan for foreign workers. So we had to just cultivate a bigger pool of local workers, local skilled workers. One skill you guys did pick up was going online. This was something I think every F&B player just had no choice, but they had to learn it the hard way. Uh, you opted to come up with your own ordering and delivery system, Oriental to you, rather than go with the more established platforms. How has that developed? Is that uh, something that you can sell the IP to to other F&B operators? 
we are not that advanced yet. Yeah. Although there was an initial thoughts along those lines. In a way, this delivery service has kind of dropped off a lot after COVID. Not that it dropped off completely, but Chinese food is kind of different. Yeah, it's something that you have to enjoy. You have hot. to yeah. enjoy it piping hot, coming out from the kitchen. And sometimes there's a big difference because a lot of our dishes are steamed. Anything that's steamed after half an hour of delivery, well, you know what it becomes. <laughs> I'm also quite intrigued by the fact that you have a private catering and chef on call option on your platform. Is that getting any traction? Uh, yes, private dinners, yes. In fact, we do have a lot of VIP customers. Some people don't like to be seen in public. Mm. Some people, for health reasons, uh, do not want to be exposed. Right. Well, uh, I suppose they are, the VIP customers are all very wealthy people. So, of course, they, they are more health conscious uh, after the COVID. So, yeah, that part did quite well. In fact, we do it for very big functions or even very small functions. Uh, Grand Imperial is one of your main competitors. They started later than Oriental Group. Today, the new owner, Dato Wong Nam Long, he also owns Esquire Kitchen. He has expressed an intention to open more outlets. After mm. PJ, now he's eyeing one in Shah Alam, and there'll be its 10th outlet. How do you view this competition? Actually, Tony is a very good friend of mine. Uh, Dr. Tony I would Wong. imagine. He's, yeah. yeah, he's a very good <laughs> friend of mine. I, I, we're always together for lunch and all that. Uh, so I would say he's uh, a very friendly competitor. We should bring him on the grill one day. Uh, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> uh, competition is good. It keeps the staff on their toes. Mm -hmm. What's more important is that Chinese food of our level should always remain as a top option for of choice. Uh, that's more important to us. Uh, Dr. Wong did mention that he's looking to list Grand Imperial at one point. I think Overseas Enterprise Hoi Noi Tin is yes. already listed. So the natural question to ask you is, you know, what are your listing ambitions for Oriental Group? Uh, I mean, now that you're profitable and paying out bonuses. <laughs> well, as you know, we do have a corporate shareholder, right. Navis Corp. Navis is a private equity fund, a very large uh, private equity fund. We sold a controlling block to them six years ago. Yes, they do have their plans right now, and probably it should be quite soon now that we are back in the black. We are doing well. Our balance sheet is repaired and very strong. Yes, I do believe they will have their plans and it's going to be quite imminent. Yeah, this is what I was going to bring up as well because Navis has been reported as wanting to sell off some of its stake in some of its investments and one of it was the BIG village, and uh, village grocer, yeah. grocer chains. I was wondering if you've heard anything with regards to Oriental Group. or is the I reason there are, some dis there are discussions, right? Uh, but I think I am not privy to maybe what's the latest... Lately, I've been so busy on the Chinese New Year, so I've not been following. <laughs> but uh, I believe uh, what will happen will happen. But nevertheless, I also believe that changes in the ownership can happen anytime, any day. But that should not affect the operations and the management and the staff. 
the show must still go on. Especially when you're profitable again. Yes, that's right. Now we just take a look forward. Lah. You talked about having different restaurant types to cater for different markets and trends at one point. You are very established in the banquet, Cantonese-style cuisines, the morning dim sum and yam chas, as well as corporate lunches and dinner celebrations. Now you're looking to do an express version as well that leaves the fine dining and Muslim-friendly segments to explore. What are your plans like in that area? Uh, yes, it is still intact. Except that our constraint is now manpower. You see, we had an express. We started an express, but that was unfortunately one of those things we had to close during the pandemic. It wasn't losing money, actually. It wasn't making enough. So there was also a drain in manpower, as in uh, a lot of the staff were coming in, learning the ropes, and leaving after just three months, four months. Because the skill level can easily be picked up after a few months. Mm. Whereas in a Chinese restaurant, a full-fledged Chinese restaurant, you need something like three years of apprenticeship and, and, and training to get to a certain level. In, in an express place, it's three months to four months. Uh, so those guys, once they pick up a skill, someone gives them double the pay he's got. And we start all over again, we felt, oops. Now, we closed that because our focus switched back to what's important to us. Our main bread and butter restaurants, our flagships, uh, there was a lot of work to be done after COVID, mm -hmm. getting them ship shape, refreshing them, renovations, what have you. There was a lot mixed in fact. We've been doing a lot of renovations, as well as uh, we are also opening new outlets right. in TRX, in this 118 Manara, uh, and uh, maybe one other likely place this year. Uh, so that's in our pipeline. Uh, yes, there's a lot of work to be done, but there has to be priorities. Right now, the constraint is skilled manpower, and we have to, in order to maintain a certain standard, we have to let go of some. Dr. Sri Philip Siu, thank you very much for coming in and Gong Hei Fa Choi to you. Thank you, Keith. <laughs> Same to you. And Gong Hei Fa Choi to everyone else who's listening on. In the studios this morning was Dr. Sri Philip Siu, founder and chairman of the Oriental Group of Restaurants. Happy Year of the Rabbit to everyone and may your carrots be the gold or diamond kind. This has been The Breakfast Grill. I'm Keith Kam for BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The BFM Breakfast Grill is brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.